Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? It is so good to see you here this morning. I am so excited about what is happening on our campus this weekend as we have, uh, as we have had begun our, our, our Compassion Experience weekend. This weekend we had over 3,000 people who registered to come and, and, and go through the Compassion Experience. And I, I drove up here Friday morning and, and as I pulled into the parking lot, there was, there was buses of people here from different communities around this area that had come in to, to go through the Compassion Experience. And I'm just so proud that we are here today with the opportunity to be able to, to just sponsor children, to, uh, to do all of this in the name of Jesus. is, is just so incredible to me. Uh, I've been sponsoring children from Compassion since 1999. And I can tell you this, that as I've looked into other organizations and and, and how they spend their money and, and, and the way, the, the percentage of money that goes directly to the children, I, I'll just say that I don't, I don't see another organization out there that does it better than Compassion. I've had an opportunity to experience firsthand uh, what you just saw on the screen, to go into the villages and to meet the children and to meet the teachers and to meet the parents. And I'll tell you, uh, as, as, as much as I understand the process, I couldn't help but just be moved to tears as I sat here thinking about a child waiting on a sponsor uh, from somewhere to just help them to, uh, to get a better education, to, to be able to eat, and most of all, to hear about Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so uh, I'm just excited about what's happening in this, week, this weekend here at Cross Point, and I hope that you are as well. Uh, I know that many of you have registered to go out. Let me just say this, they're going to be here with us today and tomorrow as well before they head out. So there's two more days of this. And, uh, and I just encourage you to, to walk over and to experience uh, what's in those trailers over there. It's really quite remarkable. God is doing incredible things in the life of our church, in the life of our city, and in, the life, and, 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 and in this world. And, and I tell you, I'm just thankful that we are a part of this. You know, pastor and author Henry Blackaby, he once wrote a book called Experiencing God. Many of you have heard of him. It's sort of old school. I, I know it's, it's probably not something you expected me to say today, uh, bringing up uh, Henry Blackaby. But I, I love what he writes in this book, at least uh, the first three of what he calls realities that we as Christians face in this world. He, he centers the book around seven realities, and the first three are this. One, God is always at work around you. God is always at work around you. Two, God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. Number two, God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. And then number three, and I like this one, God invites you to become involved with Him in His work. God invites you to become involved with Him in His work. And so just these three, I mean, we don't even have time to get into the others here today, but just these three or something that I think we can all be thankful for. Let me ask you a question this morning, Cross Point. How many of you are thankful that God is at work or all around you and in your life and in the lives of those that you know and in the life of your community? Amen? God is at work. And, uh, and, and so I just want to leave us with that thought as we prepare to, to pray. Let us consider that as we prepare to, to pray and to dive into God's Word here together this morning. Pray with me, if you will, and then we'll get into God's Word together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we are just so thankful for your presence in this place today and, 
And God, just the work that we have seen you do in our lives personally as individual followers of Christ, but Lord, also uh, the work that we have seen you accomplish in the lives of so many others, not only in our church and not only in our city, but Lord, all around this great world of ours. And so Father, I pray that, that God, that you would just continue to just move in a mighty way, Lord, drawing men and women and children unto yourself that, God, you may be glorified through their salvation, through their sanctification. And, Lord, as they continue to, to come to know you, God, that they would grow stronger and stronger in, in their desire to serve you. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you that, that you're always at work around us. And, Lord, we thank you for the invitation that you have given us to get involved in your work and your mission. And so, Father, that's really the heartbeat of everything we want to talk about here today. Father, I pray that as we dive into your word that you would prepare our hearts and our minds. I pray that you would open up our hearts, that we would be receptive to your word. And God, that we would be able to place aside every distraction that may distract us from hearing from you today. God, we love you so much and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, if there is one overarching theme to this standalone message today then it would be this, that a higher view of Jesus, a higher view of Jesus always fuels a greater devotion to him and his mission. A higher view of Jesus always fuels a greater devotion to him and his mission. You know, I believe we live in a world today where where just considering Jesus Christ as Savior is many times often all that believers really even think about. Yeah, Christ saved me. Yes, I'm a believer in Christ Jesus. And oftentimes our view of Christ doesn't go much greater than that. But I believe that when we begin to see Jesus for who he really is, when we begin to see Jesus as not only our Savior, the one who has saved us from our sins, the one who has forgiven us and the, and the one who has saved us by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, that God, that, that Savior, when we begin to see Jesus in those regards, when our view of him begins to increase, things begin to change within us. When we begin to see Jesus as not only our Savior, but we also begin to see him as our sustainer. And, and, and the one who is responsible for carrying us through this life as we walk with him in obedience, as we pursue his righteousness, as we live for him, as we come to understand Jesus as their, the hope for our life. And, and everything about Jesus that is so remarkable about who he is, when we begin to see Jesus in a higher view, our desire begins to shift from self-centeredness to one who is centered upon Jesus for who exactly he is, when we begin to see Jesus as the hope for the world, then we begin to embrace his mission instead of our own. And so this morning, I hope that as we dive into God's word together, that that would be something that we are considering here uh, this morning. I, I pray, I pray that as we look into God's word, that our view of Jesus, our, 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 the way we look at him, the way we consider him, would increase today as we dive into his word. You know, as the church, our missional vision is basically centered around this, this thing that we say, serve your church, serve your city, serve your world. 
That's the missional calling that Christ Jesus has placed upon every believer, every follower of Christ. That is our responsibility. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And in that same way as we embrace the identity of Christ Jesus, we see all throughout Scripture that we too are called to serve our church, to serve our city, and to serve our world. But that probably isn't going to happen if we don't have a very high understanding of who Jesus is and what he has accomplished for us. It's probably not going to be a reality in our life when we just simply believe that that authentic Christianity is going to church on Sunday morning. I pray that our, our view of Jesus, I pray that our understanding of who Jesus is would increase today. And so, you know, as we talk about our missional vision being centered around serve your church, serve your city, serve your world, that's indeed what our church is founded on. That's indeed where, where we're going every day of our life as, as a church collectively. But let me ask you this morning, how does Jesus' plan fit into your life personally? In what way are you embracing the mission of Christ with your life as a follower of Jesus? This morning we're looking at Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 40. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 40. Go ahead and turn there if you will. And the message is titled, Works of the Righteous. Works of the righteous. This is really the implication that Jesus makes here in this text. He he is basically putting on display the works of those who are righteous. Now let me just say this, something about righteousness. When we talk about being righteous, we're not talking about any righteousness that's of our own. We, 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 you know, the Bible tells that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, The Bible tells us that that the wages of sin is death. And so that's where we find ourselves. But because of Christ Jesus, we are made righteous, not because of any righteousness of our own, but because of his righteousness. And so this passage here, Jesus is basically implying the works that we see of those who have been radically transformed through Jesus Christ. Those who are Authentic followers of Christ, disciples, true disciples, not not the fake, not those who just simply call themselves Christians, but those who have been radically transformed by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus. The righteous, the follower of Christ Jesus. The theme of Matthew 25 could really be this. Of this entire chapter, the theme could be this of Matthew 25. The tragedy of wasted opportunities. That really is the, that really is the theme of this entire chapter that we see in the gospel of Matthew. The tragedy of wasted opportunity. And so as we look through this, we begin to see that Jesus begins to speak on this issue In a huge way, Jesus starts out here and he begins to teach through several parables. He, In in the first part of this, he talks about the parable of the ten virgins and then he moves into the parable of the talents. And through these parables, he is teaching about how if we're not careful, we can waste the opportunities that Christ has given us as as followers of Christ to be a part of, of his mission, of his plan, of his purpose for our lives. 
And we see the words that Jesus says here. And then when we get to verse 31, he begins to declare something that to me is tremendously profound. Jesus begins to teach something that is, for me, very personally and powerfully convicting to even consider. Jesus is preaching, he's teaching to all those who would hear, and he says these words starting in verse 31. He says this, he says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from the other, another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared to you from the foundation of the world. And then Jesus says this, he says, he says, for when I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them and he'll say this, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. In our passage here, Jesus Jesus is implying something that we should, every one of us, be very aware of this morning. Jesus is implying something that is hugely profound and should be very aware to each of us this morning. If today we are here today and we declare for ourselves that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus is, is, is implying in this text. He is basically implying that a heart for God is a heart that serves those in need. A heart for God is a heart that serves those in need. If you're looking for a point this morning, that's the only one I've got. That's a biggie, isn't it? What Jesus is implying here is that if we are truly disciples of him, if we, are truly, if we have truly been saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, in other words, if we are an authentic believer, if we're an authentic Christian, if we have a heart for God, a heart that has been radically transformed by the blood and power of Jesus Christ, if we have indeed been saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, then as for those of us who have that kind of heart that has been in, in, incredibly transformed, then we will have a heart to serve the needs of others because we suddenly realize it's not just all about us anymore. It's not even about our desires. It's about being a follower of Christ Jesus and, and having a great desire to be a part of His purpose and His plan and His mission on this earth. 
Now notice how the text starts off here. Jesus is separating the goats and the sheep. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and say, who's the goats and who's the sheep this morning? I'm not going to go there. Maybe we can figure that one out on our own. But the reality is that's what Jesus starts off. This is what Jesus says. He says, he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goat. And listen to this, verse 33. He says, and he will place the sheep on his right. That is the righteous. That is the authentic believers of Christ Jesus. He will place on his right. But the goats, those who are not believers of Christ Jesus, those who have not been saved by the power and grace of God, those who are living lives of rebellion and self-centeredness and disobedience and unfaithfulness, those who have not embraced Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the goats of the world, he will place on his left. There's a separation that will happen. This is how Jesus starts off. He's talking about that final judgment. And he's talking about separating the worldly from authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And then he says here, here's how you will know the difference. Here's how you will know the difference. Because those whose hearts have been changed, those whose hearts are in alignment with Christ, those whose hearts have been saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, he says, they will feed the hungry. They will provide water when thirsty. They will be people of, who welcome others in. They will tend to the poor. They will visit those who are in places that none of us would want to go. Jesus says that's how you'll be able to tell them apart. That's the difference between authentic followers of Jesus Christ and those who embrace the world. As followers of Christ, our actions are basically saying this, loving God equals caring for people. Loving God equals caring for people. This isn't what I'm saying. This is what Jesus is saying. Jesus says when we, when we care for Jesus, we care for others. When we care for Jesus, we care for people. You remember when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied to those who were asking, he said, I'll tell you what the first commandment is. The, the first and greatest commandment is love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. They didn't ask what the second greatest commandment was. They just asked what the first. But Jesus went ahead and gave it anyway, didn't he? Because they go hand in hand together. They, they, they are inseparable from one another. Love God, and he says, I'll tell you this, love people. In fact, love others as you love yourself. That's what Jesus declared. So for the person who loves God, that's going to be somebody who loves people. I love what Oswald Chambers, here's another blast from the past, but Oswald Chambers once said this. He said, the secret of the missionary is this. I am his, and he is carrying out his work through me. I am his. And he is carrying out whose work? 
his work through me. That's the heart of a missionary. But I would go so far to say this, that is the heart of a believer. That is what Jesus is saying here. He says, a heart for God is a heart that will serve the needs of others. This morning, I want to offer to you three foundational thoughts concerning Jesus' mission. And these are in complete alignment with the vision of our church, but also just uh, what I see is something that is very biblical when I consider the mission of Christ Jesus. Here's the first one. As believers in Christ Jesus, we are called to care for each other in the church. Okay? Now, I don't want to skip this one today because I know that there will be many who, who, who sort of think this if I don't cover it today. So I want to go ahead and cover it. This is certainly something that fits well within Jesus' plan here. The, but the, the, the reality is we are called to care for each other in the church. In fact, Galatians 6, 9, and 10 says this, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Then look at it, verse 10. He says, So then, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I love that last part, the household of faith. You, you know that I'm, I'm very intentional about using this phrase, good morning, faith, family, you know? And that's because I see us as a family. I hope that you see us as a family. I hope that if you're visiting here today that, that we can become for you family, that we can become a household of faith collectively gathering here each week and all throughout the week in small groups, that, that you can become a part of, of a family who, who, who says to you this morning, that we care about you and that we feel a sense of responsibility to care for those who are within the church. We do this in many ways. We have a, a very vibrant and, 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 and impactful children's ministry and student ministry here in our church. We have ministries that, that minister to our adults. We, have, we even have a ministry on, on Monday, uh, Monday afternoons that ministers to those who are struggling with addiction called Celebrate Recovery, where God is doing incredible things in the lives of those who are gathering here throughout the week. And so part of our missional responsibility is to, to care for those who are of the church. The only problem is that many churches embrace that as the only mission that Christ has called us to. There's no doubt we are called to care for one another, but the reality is it goes much broader than that because the second thing that I want to point out to us here today is this, is that we are also called to serve our city. We are called to serve our city. One of the common things that we hear whenever we do a, a global mission message like we're going to be talking about here in just a moment is, is we hear this all the time. Well, what about the poverty in our own city? And that's a, that's a legitimate question to ask, isn't it? Why are we going to go off to some foreign land and help children there when we have people here that are also in poverty? And my answer to that would be, absolutely, you're right. We don't need to neglect our city. We are called to care for one another. We are also called by Jesus to go out and to care for our city. In fact, we see Jesus setting the example for this when we read Matthew 9, verse 35 and 36, where Jesus says this. It's, I mean, where it tells us this about Jesus. It says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching them there are less than 30 
authentic believers of Christ Jesus in that entire country. Should we go there? Well, Jesus said all the nations. Did he not? And so the reality is we cannot neglect our world when we consider the mission of Christ Jesus. Now, if we want to if we want to just live our life according to our mission, well, then that might be something we could do, but that's not, that's not what Jesus has called us to. We are called to serve our city, our church, our city, and our world. Listen to what Jesus says here. He says in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There are over 2 billion people, 2 billion people that are considered today to be the unreached. In other words, they don't have access to the gospel at all. Over 2 billion people today, with the internet like it is today, over 2 billion that have no access to the gospel. And so we must consider how it is that we're going to reach not only our church and our city, but also our world. Here, here's the thing. Uh, you know, let, let me read Acts 1-8 to you, and then I, I just want to say something about this. In Acts 1-8, we, we read where Jesus says this. He says, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And here's what I understand about that verse. I understand it would be impossible for every one of us individually here today to, to carry out that great purpose. But you see, collectively, we can carry that thing out. That is one of the reasons why God would, would call us to gather together and to be a faith family and to, to unify, unify behind one vision that he has given us to serve our church and to serve our city and to serve our world. Collectively, we can make a huge difference. Even though in just a moment, I'm going to show you how you can make a difference individually, even to the ends of the earth. Here's the reality. We must give evidence that we care and not make a mockery of good works. Let me say that again. We must give evidence that we care about Jesus' mission and not make a mockery of good works. James 2, verse 15 and 16 says this, If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things that are needed for the body, what good is that? What good is that? I don't know about you, but for me, personally, as I think about who I am as a believer, a follower of Christ Jesus, and I consider my life and how it, how it lines up or how it's, you know, how it's in line with, with what Christ would have me to not only be but to do with my life. I find verses like this very challenging. God has called each of us, God has called each of us to be the hands that bless the lives of others. That's why it's so important to give so that we can continue to minister to those in our church, 
to continue to reach those in our city and continue to impact those in our world. It's the Jesus way. That we would go, that we would give, that we would serve, that we would, we would be who he has called us to be. We would be who he has enabled us and empowered us to be. 1 John 3.17 says this, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Those whose hearts have been changed by God, they don't neglect the poor. Those whose hearts have been radically transformed by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit of God, they don't neglect the poor. They care. They care. And so Jesus challenges those in our text today. He says, oh, you'll know the difference. You'll know the difference. They just look different. They just look different. Goats from the sheep. They just look different. The righteous from the worldly. They just look different. Now, you may be here today and you may be wondering, well, what does all this have to do with Compassion International? I think it has everything to do with Compassion International. You know, let me just say this, sponsoring a child gives us, let me tell you the benefits for us as individual followers of Christ if we sponsor a child today. Sponsoring a child for us, it, it gives us the opportunity to be personally involved in global missions. You see, not all of us here today can afford to go to India or Africa on missions. Not all of us can afford to, 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 to go on these, these places and to serve in those capacity, in the capacities of short-term missions. Not all of us are called to, to surrender our life to full-time missions in a foreign land. But there are many different opportunities that we have that we can personally be involved in not only ministry within the walls of this church or even within the city limits of our community, but, but also globally. And this is one of the ways that we can be personally involved. In 1999, my family and I, we... We picked up a packet that looks about like this. We sponsored our first child and we brought this packet home. And, 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 and it wasn't just about giving money to a little girl that was in a foreign land. It was uh, it, to care for a little girl in a foreign land. It was about engaging and building a, an authentic relationship with someone. It was about teaching my daughters how we can personally as a family impact a world when we can't afford to go. And so we wrote letters to her, we, we sent her gifts at Christmas, we engaged in her life, and my children, they grew up to understand the value of being a part of Jesus' plan, his missional plan for the world. Not just what he wants to do in our life. Three years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Tanzania, Africa, and it was there that I was able to meet firsthand Leonard, who is another one of our children that we sponsor and here it was, it, it was just one of the most incredible things. I mean, up until that point, the child that I'd sponsored had always been a picture. Had always been a picture. 
And I can't tell you the, the, the emotions that just went through me as I, as I was able to kneel down and, and just embrace Leonard and, and you'd see him in real life and know that we were being a part of helping him in so many different ways. The reason I got so shook up watching the video is because this little girl, when she received her sponsor on the video, I don't know if you noticed, but she started weeping. She was just so overtaking. And, and I remember that me and Leonard, Leonard being seven years old, just, just stood there and looked at each other and both of us weeping because I had an opportunity to meet him. No longer was he just a picture. No longer was he just someone I wrote to. He was... He was real. I remember I carried him over two little small gifts. It wasn't much, but one was a yo-yo and one was a little Hot Wheels car. I had to teach him how to do a yo-yo. He'd never even seen one. I asked him, I said, do you, do you know what this is? He said, no. I mean, it looks stupid to me. You know, he didn't say that. So it looks like a wheel. He said, it's a yo-yo. And he, he looked at it and there was a string and this little thing, round thing. It didn't make sense. And I put it on my finger and I, I did that, and I remember his little eyes. He just oh, never seen anything like that. I gave it to him, and you, you, you've seen little kids as they, as they put that string on, they, they push it down, and it goes down, it stays down. They don't know to lift it up. And, you know, and, and so he was learning how to do the yo-yo. Then I broke out the Hot Wheels car. That just made his day. For two hours, I watched him play with the Hot Wheels car, just a Hot Wheels car. He had nothing. He had nothing. And so that's what sponsoring a child does for us. Let me, let me tell you what sponsoring a child does for them. First of all, $38 a month provides them with an education that they will probably not have any other way. An education. That that we take for granted. When I was in college can't think of the times that I would skip class. It wasn't many, but I mean, there were times. I would skip class. It just didn't, wasn't something that was really that important to me. And I, I watched the little girl in the video as she just buttoned up and got ready. And she was so thankful for an education that she would receive. So education. She's going to grow up healthier because you're providing food, supplemental resources in the, in the way of food to these families and and they're learning about health care. They're learning about taking care of personal hygiene. They're learning things like that. But you know, sponsoring a child will also get them involved in a local church. Where there's a pastor and people just like you, a faith family, that is reaching out to them and discipling them. And I've seen this firsthand. You saw the board up there where, you, where they were writing the name of the sponsors? We visited several local churches where the school was, the education was taking place in Tanzania, and in every one of them they had that board. And they were keeping track. And, 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 and one of the things that I was blown away with was the level of discipleship that was taking place in these children's lives. And that brings us to the last thing that I want to mention about what sponsoring a child means to them, how it benefits them. Without a sponsorship, many of these children 
will never hear about Jesus. They will never hear about Jesus. And in this compassion program, they hear about Jesus every time they gather. And so the question here this morning is, do we care about our plan or do we care about Jesus' plan? I'm not trying to guilt us into anything. Lord knows God only desires for us to be cheerful givers. But there's something amazing that takes place when we begin to, to see the world as an opportunity to engage in the mission of Christ instead of just living for ourselves. Without sponsorship, many of these children will never hear about Jesus. After the service today, and I want you to, you know, during the time of invitation, I just want us to just have a time where maybe we can come and pray. Don't walk over to the table and pick up a packet and say, well, I need to pray about it. Jesus has already invited you to do it. (laughs) He's called us to be a part. You should know already in your heart. If you need to pray about it, come and pray here. But I want to challenge you. Go pick up a packet. Go look at the faces on on the cards. These are real people. And for many of the kids that are sitting out here on the tables in our lobby, for many of the kids that are here today, the wait will be over. The wait will be over as they wait on a sponsor. If we would just sponsor a child today. It's an incredible opportunity for us to be a part of Jesus' plan. I'm going to close with a word of prayer and then Spence and The band is going to come up here and lead us in our last song. Could we just be this morning people of prayer as we consider how we are to respond, as we consider what God is calling us to do? Could we just be people of prayer? You know, maybe for you today, you're thinking, there is no way I can afford that right now. If that's who you are, if that's where you're at, that's fine. But what you can do is come to this altar and pray for these cards that are out there. Pray for the people. Well, I don't know them, Pastor David. No, but God does. Maybe we could just sort of end this service by getting on our hands and knees and praying before God and asking God to show us how we are called as individuals, not as a church. Because let me tell you, our church is going to continue to march with the vision that God has given us. Serve our church, serve our city, and serve our world. That is what we're going to do collectively But pray and ask God how you today can give individually and impact a world for Jesus. Rescuing children from poverty in the name of Jesus. That's their motto. Let us pray about how we can be a part of that. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for all that you are. Lord, we love you so much and we praise you, God, and we just thank you that, that, God, you have blessed us beyond measure in so many ways. Lord, the poorest of the poor that are sitting in this church right now still have it so much better off than people in our own community and around the world. Father, we have so much to be thankful for. Father, I pray that today, God, that that, Lord, the desire of our heart would be to offer to you thanksgiving. 
Lord, as we recognize you as our Savior, God, as we recognize you as our sustainer, and God, even recognizing you as one who cares to develop a, 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 such a meaningful relationship with us and invite us to participate in an opportunity to impact our world in your name. Father, I pray that today that we would be intentional about really seeking you and asking you through prayer and meditation and worship, God, how is it that we should respond here today? God, I'm thankful for the reality that for so many of those children on Thursday, I mean on Friday and, and on Saturday yesterday, God, the wait was over. Father, I pray that today and tomorrow for so many more children, the wait will be over as they wait on a sponsor, as they wait on that family or that individual in Valdosta, Georgia to write them a letter and say, I picked up your card today and I'm so thankful to get to know you. Father, we love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.